You are listening to a podcast from Australia's best-known community radio station, 3RRR, 102.7 in Melbourne. G'day, welcome aboard the Starship Zero G science fiction, fantasy and historical radio for episode number 1246. <laughs> I am Rob Jan. And Megan McHugh. And today's show is entitled, uh, They Ought to Ask Magical Mr. Miftopheles. <laughs> oh, gracious. Blending cats and um, the Melbourne International Film Festival. There. Yes, a fabulous time of year. I've probably used that. Miftopheles before knowing me. I think that's Over fine. 25 years of doing Zero G. I think you're allowed film. a couple of repeats. Our podcast title is Captain Pogcard. I don't know where that's going. Actually, I do. Uh, yeah, it's about the um, Captain Picard television series. We are knee-deep in trailers and announcements and all knee kinds deep. of stuff. Knee-deep. Before you can say Frog 4... That's such a pet Avengers joke. Anyway, uh, okay. Uh, Look, there's only one thing we say to lunar landing conspiracy theorists (laughs) on the 50th anniversary of the great event, and that is not today. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I I wasn't um, on the moon. I wasn't a watcher on the moon at the stage. No. Back then. uh, Let me see. July 21st to... Can I remember this right? Well, if it's 50 years ago. 2.56 Greenwich Mean Time. (sighs) That's a long, long moonwalk. I was watching the landing. Yes. On the telly set up in the school corridor. Well, the world was watching, were they not? It was... uh, We were sent home after that to watch the actual moonwalk. Oh, cool. Um, and I can distinctly remember looking up from my Martian Manhunter comic book mm. and thinking, oh. why are we just landing on the moon? <laughs> Little Rob Jan. I, <laughs> I, was, I was already <laughs> very sweet. I was already living in a world where the solar system and beyond had already been explored, you Exactly. Say, so. Running a bit slow by that. Puny <laughs> reality. I know. <laughs> takes so long to catch up. Ah. <sighs> What a what a wonderful thing that was, yeah. and we had it all then. Um, the space age was in full swing. Speaking of swings, there were um, uh, rocket ships welded together out of out of uh, metal bars that we used as school play equipment. Mm. So you know there was like the 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 great sort of spaceship you could get inside and go yep. up into the yep. top. And and I had um, uh, Barter Scout Moonwalker shoes. <laughs> With a compass in the heel and lunar tread on them, and wow. you opened the box up, and you had a lunar landscape you could play well, that's with. That's the thing. Space fever was the thing, it was wasn't it. it? It was it. The space age. I just loved that. <laughs> you know, I had my uh, observer's book of manned and unmanned space flight, mm. uh, which I used to carry around with because little pocket books because they're observ- oh, observer. Oh yeah, books. of course. And and I memorized the names of fifty. Astronauts? <laughs> no, it's just I, I don't think I could recite them today because it was a while ago, but my God, I was such a dead keen space hipster. 
And if you're actually interested in being a space hipster, there's actually a Facebook page for that, a group called Space Hipsters. Sure there is. And there's so many astronauts on there and people in um, aerospace industries. And uh, it is very cool because you suddenly, you know, you'll find yourself liked by like um, Neil Armstrong's daughter or something. (laughs) It's amazing stuff. Okay. all right, then. Uh, there was actually, there's actually a festival about uh, moon-related films, isn't there? Yes. So I thought I'd throw this invention. It has already started, but there's still a couple of days left. So the Sun Theatre, which is my local, is doing the Moon Film Festival. So it's sort of to celebrate the anniversary of the moon landing and it's basically curated a little season of films related to the moon and space and so forth and it includes the new Apollo 11 documentary Mm -hmm. and Armstrong as well Um, so some of the films that they've played I went along and saw Moon on the weekend uh, the great Sam Rockwell Duncan Jones Duncan Jones directed sci-fi wonderful film if you haven't watched it Um, there's no more sessions of that unfortunately but there are some more sessions Um, so today Uh, You've only got today, tomorrow and Wednesday left of the festival. But have a look on the Sun Theatre website. They're playing films like Hidden Figures, First Man, Apollo 13, that Apollo 11 documentary I mentioned. And on Wednesday, um, the 24th, they are playing the 2001 A Space Odyssey as well at 7pm. So that might be of interest to people. So head along to their website and they've got all the times and details for that. So I thought that was kind of a nice nice thing. And they had a really nice selection of films too. So. The moon at the sun. Bit of a cel- exactly mm. celebration of space over on the west side. Mm. So yeah. So um, San Diego. Yes. Comic Con. The great influx of content for geeks like us. <laughs> Just news announcements. So much. So much happened over Brain. the weekend. <sighs> yeah. In a good way, in a good way. Well, you're the It girl. Tell us about that one. Yes. So I've been hanging out for the It trailer. They released a bit of a teaser a while ago, which stacked up well in my estimation. So now they've released something a little more extended at San Diego, and it's also online as well, so you can check it out. It's for the part two of the It films that are directed by Andy Machete. Uh, adaptation of the... Machete. <laughs> I, I'm saying that wrong. Muschetti? I don't want it to like sound ma- like I'm trying to do it. I like, I like machete, though. That sounds great. <laughs> it, could, it could be that. Um, so it's adapted from the Stephen King novel, obviously, a novel close to my heart. And so they've done... They've separated it out. So unlike the miniseries that was around 1990 with Tim Curry, which was sort of all mashed together, like the book of the kids and their adult selves... This one, part one, was all kids, and then now we're seeing them as adults when they come back. So, very exciting. I am very keen for this one. It comes out in September. The trailer gave us a little bit more of a look about how they're going to be attacking things. It actually looks several (laughs) shades scarier than the first one, uh, which was exciting for me. And you get an interesting look at some of the Pennywise makeup. You get a bit more of Bill Skarsgård under there in the trailer. Um you might be able to see some shots of that. So they kind of strip it back a little and you see a little more of what he actually looks like, which I think is a very interesting approach. So very keen to see how that one turns out. I think hopefully it's in a safe pair of hands. And obviously (laughs) the adults are played by, you know, good range of got James McAvoy in there playing Bill. Jessica Chastain is playing Beverly. Uh Um, Bill Hader is playing Richie. So they've got some good names in there. 
Ah. And some people I'm not familiar with, so I'm keen to see them in those roles too. So that was an exciting one that dropped over the weekend. Mm. Yes, I I did watch that and I thought, oh, that's reasonably creepy. Yeah. It's all right there. Decent amount of blood spatter and so (laughs) forth. I still want to see like the the It Stranger Things crossover. I mean, it's practical. There's a fun (laughs) fair in this as well. But yeah, there um, always is. They're all spawning from the same hub of uh, genre mashup. So, yes. Yeah. Uh, the the uh, and on the, the subject of space related things, of course, um, the big Star Trek yes. panel that they had there, where they they talked about uh, the next season of Discovery, the new Picard series, mm-hmm. the animated series Lower Decks. Uh, they started off with um, Disco, which we all are kind of assuming is going to be set a thousand years in the future because that's the way it rolled out after uh, Discovery Season 2. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're also talking about uh, more short treks. Uh, there are six of those, each telling a, a small story within the bigger Star Trek universe. Nice. Uh, these are going to feature uh, the, the crew of oh, the Enterprise Oh. From Discovery. Excellent. So Anson Man- Mount is uh, Christopher Pike and we've got Spock and Number One as well, the executive officer at the Enterprise, uh, as well as a, a, one that's going to be a, a teaser for the new Picard series. Now, two of these are going to be animated too. So nice. So cool. It's a bit of adding some stuff to the mix. I like that approach. Yeah. They also talked about Lower Decks, which is the new half-hour animated Star Trek series. Mm-hmm. We have had one animated Star Trek series before, back in the 1970s, when I was still reading <laughs> that, that Martian Manhunter comic and just beginning to find out about a, a, a strange sort of guy called Tony Stark. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. thus began a lifelong love. Yeah, so not not um, not Tony always loved himself. <laughs> True. Stark Trek, you know. But anyway, so um, with this one with lower decks, obviously they're trying to go with riff off the idea of uh, people who are not the main sh- mm-hmm. main bridge mm-hmm. crew. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I noticed that actually, speaking of Iron Man, Fred um, Tatuski, uh, or let me just have a run up at this, Fred. Tatuskior, who is uh, a voice actor who's done a lot of Marvel stuff uh, in the uh, various animated series and nice. so on. He's he's playing a lieutenant. And there's a, um, a felinoid character, so it's a cat, a sentient cat. Excellent. Possibly, possibly a, probably a, what they call a, a Cassian, who were the felinoid, one of the felinoid races in the original Star Trek animated series. So that looks quite fun. Um, and then they talked about... Uh, Picard with the showrunner Michael Chabon. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's really promising just to start with. He's a he's a, a well steeped in in literature and genre literature as I well. I didn't realize that he was doing that. Mm, he's a mad keen science fiction fan. He's one of the uh, the author. The yes, the author. Ah, yeah, he's been really? de- he's been defending genre fiction for quite a while, ah. and now he gets to defend. Jean-Luc Picard. Wow. So this is um, going to be a web television series, CBSS, CBS All a- Access, like Discovery. So maybe uh, I'd like to see it picked up by Netflix or Stan or somebody like that eventually. I'm sure it'll be, yeah. I think Amazon Prime might have got it. For, I think Prime the because the trailer I saw had a Prime mm. stamp. Uh, so this is like the eighth Star Trek <laughs> series. Uh, it's set... Wow. 
at the end of the 24th century, 20 years after the events of the 2002 Star Trek film Nemesis, which is a shocker of a film. But never mind. But in, in that, um, it did it did start well with the destruction of the the uh, the dreaded Romulan Empire, mm-hmm. which um, as a Klingon I was so chuffed to see. <laughs> Songs were sung on that day. I can tell you, it's a pity that it wasn't the Klingons who were responsible for it, <laughs> or was it? <laughs> so this Picard series is going to have um, Patrick Stewart. Coming back to that iconic role, um, I've always liked Captain Picard as a, a Star Trek character, and Stuart has inhabited that role so well back in the Next Generation era. Mm-hmm. Um, had it, it was like um, seven seasons at least, I'm pretty sure, just off the top of my little balding head. <laughs> um, they're also bringing back Brent Spiner, Mr. Data. Cool. Uh, Jerry Ryan, Seven of Nine, the Borg hybrid yes. from... Voyager. Love her. Marina Sirtis, um, Councillor Diana Troy, and Jonathan Frakes, Mr. William Riker. <laughs> so some of those old familiars coming back, as well as a couple of other people too. I saw, um, oh, what's his name, Jonathan D'Arco, who played Hugh the Borg at one stage in oh, the okay. uh, original show. This is uh, going to hit early 2020, 10 episodes. Okay. I'm still so boggled that Michael Chabon is showrunning Picard. Pulitzer Prize winning author, Michael Chabon. Science fiction is the literature of the 21st century. I mean, I think it's, I think it's great. Anyway, sorry. Yes. <laughs> a gog over here. Yeah, there you go. So um, there is actually going to be a ship that Picard will be in charge of. Nice. You got, can't have Captain Picard without a starship. Exactly, why not? It's not a Starfleet one as far as I can work out. Um, it's going to have uh, a variety of um, probably younger people in there to do some of the action. Yes. Not that I don't think that Patrick Stewart can't still kick ass. I bet he ass. could. I bet most of those guys still could, but, mm. you know. Especially if he uses his mental powers, you know, those uh, X-Men powers that he's got there. Um, now, I noticed Michael Hurd, uh, his name in the uh, – sorry, Michelle Hurd, uh, his – Michelle Hurd's name in the mix there for Picard mm-hmm. uh, and – she played um, Samantha Rees in the second season of Daredevil and she was the uh, the district attorney trying to bring to book Frank Castle in that. Uh, she also had that same role in uh, Jessica Jones season, season one. Okay. And there's another actor, uh, Evan Evagora, playing a character called Elnor. And he's an Australian actor born and raised here in Melbourne. So he was in... The Australian mystery series Secret City. He's uh, working on a reboot of Fantasy Island. It's also coming out in 2020. So there's a few familiar faces there, really. Oh, and also Harry Treadaway, playing a character called Narek, uh, English actor, and I know him very well as Victor Frankenstein on oh, Penny Dreadful. Oh, right, right, right. Okay. Yeah. So you know, it's really exciting there. Yeah. When I was watching the, the Picard trailer, you could you could hear the fan people going, the fan people going, yeah. squee is the. I find that up. though now yeah it's sort of i think it's one of those it was online before it was officially released yes type of things. and I think then it, it was, was comic-con exclusive but i think you can get it on cbs if you can uh, i'm watch sure their if channel, you can dig around access. yeah yeah but they just make make it go they said <laughs> it went. 
right. Um, uh, so let's have a, a track. Do you have a, you I had a track one, you were going to play? Yes. I have one more trailer I wanted to mention quickly, though, sure. before we move off, which was um, the Netflix The Witcher adaptation trailer also came out over the weekend. Oh, well, tell me about that one. So you, you mentioned that a yeah, while ago. So when the news was first released about Henry Cavill's uh, casting as Geralt of Rivia, mm-hmm. there was a bit of controversy around that. But we've since then seen some images, like official release images, which I think look great. And then now we've actually got a trailer because the series is actually due out this year. So it's coming out later this year. It is a Netflix production. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to be run by Lauren Schmidt. Yep. And so Cavill, we've formerly seen him as Superman, of course, yep. in the most recent kind of uh, Superman outings. And he's playing Geralt of Rivia, who basically is a monster hunter. So the trailer gives us a bit more of a look at uh, some very popular characters like Yennefer and Ciri. Um, it's actually based on a series of books, but it's also made quite famous by the series of video games, uh-huh. which I love. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of... I've not read the books. That's kind of my relationship with... the My relationship with Geralt is via video game. <laughs> um, but from what I saw from the trailer, I... I'm intrigued. I think it looks good. It's not trying to do too dark. It's not yeah. trying to... The tone looked all right. It got a bit haphazard towards the end. I wasn't really sure about some of that stuff, but it could just be because I'm not as familiar with some of the story. I'm very much a click-through-this-dialogue, let's-get-to-the-action kind of <laughs> player. So keen to see how that turns out. I think Henry has actually scrubbed down pretty well to be Geralt. Scrubbed so. down? Yeah, he's all, like, dirty. And I, I got saw, a wig and all this stuff. So. I saw the poster for it, and he's, like, standing with his back to us. Oh, exactly. Yes. Looking the down. common pose. But I I mean, and he's a big fan. I think he's going to really want to try hard to do well by this adaptation. I think she's a safe pair of hands, too. So okay. we'll see how that goes. Um, yes, I have a track. So what I thought we might listen to is um, as I mentioned, I went off to see Moon and the soundtrack for that is done by Clint Mansell. Mm-hmm. And he's done a lot of um, great stuff. And so I thought we just might hear a little bit of music from that. This is called Welcome to Lunar Industries. This doesn't count as our Bowie track, even though it is Duncan Jones directing the film. Exactly. <laughs> Hi, I'm George Takei and I play Admiral Sulu in Star Trek. Welcome aboard the Starship Zero-G. Admiral? Hey, a guy can dream, can't he? <laughs> there we go. That was Mr. Abbowie's <laughs> track of the week. Push through, didn't he? <laughs> just a, Zow- Sorry, Clint. <laughs> Zowie, just stand aside. Exactly. Oh, well, yes. Yeah, so obviously that was uh, Queen Bitch by David Bowie, played for reasons that will become clear later as we look through the MIP. The Myth program for 2019. You're on Mythbusters. <laughs> exactly. I just got a little too excited there. You did. You can never be too excited on Zero G. <laughs> uh, we're looking at some of the trailers that dropped at San Diego Comic Con mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Snowpiercer, which mm. has now become a television show. Yes. A, a film that we both loved. Yes. Um, Bong Joon Ho's 2013 South Korean Czech film, which was uh, spun off the 1982 French graphic novel. Le Transpersonne, which um, <laughs> was also a, a long-term graf- graphic novel, so over several decades. Wow. So there's lots of material still to mine yep. from that. Yep. Um, I, I feel like I should automatically uh, diss anything that's like a um, an ice age dystopia. 
<laughs> Given the hot mess we've made of the world, I know reality, it's not so funny anymore, is it? <laughs> except for the fact that I, I, I seem to recall that they uh, they had a reason. It was like they'd tried some kind of uh, geoengineering yeah, global th- warming fix. Yes, I think it was some human mistake gone wrong yeah. type of thing. Yeah. Um, so there, from memory, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure there'll be like we're um, to blame, regardless. <laughs> You know, some some uh, American uh, subverted pseudoscientists will mm. say, "See, Snowpiercer, it's not warming." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so, for that one, it's going to probably look a little different to the film, no doubt. Uh, it looks very, very rich mm. and detailed because I think their train is still in the early stages, so it's quite. You know, it's not all messed up except in the passenger sections yes except in the (laughs) ones for poor people yeah but it's got um, jennifer connelly in a major role in it and i thought that it looked quite uh, it's been in development at tnt for three years so so it's kind of been in a bit of development hell yeah so now it's going to come out on um, tbs uh the uh whatever network that is um television the Turner Broadcasting System. Oh, yeah, of course. Ah. Everyone's scrambling to get their science fiction act, aren't they? It's true. And I think, um, yeah, it's very hot right now, isn't it? Yeah. Snowpiercer, of course, is the one. Set in an Ice Age sort of Earth, uh, yep. only a few survivors, a couple of thousand or so, on a train that's on an eternal loop, loop around the planet to avoid getting frozen. Yeah. It's actually a stupid idea. Oh, it's Let, ridiculous. Let's be honest. Absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> um, the, but, wa- the Wandering Earth actually looks like a lot more uh, – has a lot more scientific credibility. <laughs> <laughs> um, speaking of Bong Joon-ho, I know we covered – you covered Parasite, Parasite last week. And you saw it? I finally got along to see it. Yep. Um, South Korean film took out the Palm d'Or this year. I loved it. Yeah. I really – I mean, it's right up my alley. It's like a tragic, comic, messed up – you know, mm. descends into a you know it's a couple of different films tonally. I think you think do you, do, were you feeling sort of like Jordan Peelish watching it? Yes, absolutely. Someone else mentioned that today. They said it was very much like watching Get Out, mm. and you're tense, but it was wonderful. Yeah. I really loved it. Which I mean, I guess his looks is a little messed up, but um, I think there was a lot of commentary there as well, and some really lovely ways of expressing some ideas, mm. and also some horrific ways of expressing some ideas too. So, definitely recommend that. And, um, and I think it's wise. <laughs> well, of course I do. I think it's wise that we didn't tell people too much about it because no. it's a uh, going cold on that one. I think so. Mm. I think so. All right. Now there were some other things. That happened at SDCC, some marvellous things. Mm -hmm. And I went, oh my God. But before we get into that, now this is my my equivalent of Sportsman, as we know. (laughs) Avengers Endgame has overtaken Avatar at the global box office. Oh, they'll be pleased. They'll be rolling in their piles of money. 2.790 billion dollars wow uh, and they just topped over avatar which was 2.789 and avatar that, that's an aggregate figure because avatar has a separate re, had separate re-releases like entirely separate ones yeah, a special right, edition right. um just rather actually like gone where the wind did they had a few yeah. releases over the years a few shots at it yeah. but this is just endgame's primary run even if they did tinker with it some with some extra bits and bobs after okay. the end credits yep so you know if they ever do a re-release of that and Who i can knows? imagine like a um 
a double up with Infinity Wars. Oh, yeah. Like a road show? Absolutely. No, for sure. That'd be great. Um, I do know who hasn't contributed to that, Gwyneth Paltrow. She hasn't seen <laughs> she it. She hasn't seen it. I was watching, I got kind of lost in a rabbit hole of Graham Norton interviews and they had one with Jake Gyllenhaal and Tom Holland and Gwyneth. Um, and Tom Holland was like, if you haven't seen it, you're living under a rock. I shouldn't try to do accents on air. But um, she was like, oh, I haven't seen it. In fact, she didn't even know that she was in the first Spider-Man movie with well, Tom Holland. Exactly. I mean, <laughs> she takes her paycheck and goes home. Like, like on John Favreau's The Chef Show. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, like, and John's like, like, no, no. That, that was Spider-Man Homecoming. You were in that Oh, really, was it? She seemed delighted by the news, but yes. We uh, need, a, we need a, so, a sound effect for Gwyneth Paltrow's um, doll, sort of. Yeah, exactly. I know, it would be like goop. Yeah. <laughs> we'll cue something up for next no, time. No, goop is fine. <laughs> <laughs> Sean Favreau, he's doing so well at the moment. He's got um, uh, The Lion King out. Yes, yeah, so that's been released. Mm. I'm hearing good things about it too. Yeah, I think, I mean, I think one of the things people say, I mean, I've not seen it yet, is that it's very similar to the animation. Well, I've seen the stage play, Julie Taymor's... Um, yeah, it's wonderful, isn't epic it? Epic stage production. I mean, she's, yeah, she's going to be laughing all the way to the bank for the rest of her life for mm. that one. It's a wonderful production. So, okay, I am happy yes. that Endgame is where it is. <laughs> King of the world. This means that superhero movies are going to dominate... I'm sounding like a supervillain here. We're going to dominate the world for the next (laughs) 50 years. Well, and even more so, we have some evidence for that. We do. Evidence? Well, well, you know, further evidence that there's more to come, (laughs) let's say. We don't don't need no stinking facts, but we do have some from the Comic-Con. Mr. Fahey gave us the slate Mm -hmm, for -hmm. the upcoming Marvel Universe. Uh, this is um, or at least the cinematic part of it. Okay, so the next uh, MCU movie is, and we all knew this anyway, Black Widow. Yes. That's the first one coming out next year, uh, May, I think. Kate Shortland directing it. And it's got, of course, Scarlett Johansson reprising her role. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's set, I believe, after Captain America Civil War. Okay. Yeah, um, into it. I, I, I would... Hazard a guess we may find out about Budapest in it somewhere. Ooh, I hope oh, I heard Clint's in it. How I, I He's uh, probably not. From what I've heard about what Jeremy Renner's been up to, it's not been that. So Well he's got his own television series that. coming up. He does. Okay, so here's a guest, David Harbour. Oh. Hopper. Gosh, he's really things. he's Growing great guns after his uh, Stranger Things revival, isn't yeah, he? He's on fire. Good on him. Not quite. As I mean, Hellboy's <laughs> not quite as literally between the years as he was in Hellboy. Yeah, but yet to be determined. But I'm happy to hear he's going to be involved in that. And he's playing Alexi, the Red Guardian. Oh, well, that's interesting, isn't it? It is indeed. Uh, we've also got um, a whole bunch of other people in it who we'll get to when we do the Black Widow write up, which I'm sure we're going to do. Oh yes, we'll uh, cover I'm that. actually. This is really hard for me and my partner, uh, Gail, to... We are like... And this is a spoiler from Endgame, but it's been a while now. It's been a while now. It's been a while. And as Tom Holland says, if you haven't seen it, you're living under a rock. Yeah. Um, The the thing is, for us now with the Marvel Cinematic Universe going forwards, it's a little bit like cheering on teams in a in a in a game that you like well i'm assuming it is because i know sports and you know like say if i say if i i mean hypothetically speaking mm. say i was a football fan <laughs> well i am a, a legit football fan so yeah, you are. let's see where we're going with say if i was one of those and knew anything about it apart from the fact that it has wickets and you know there's a lot of marvel 
crossover these days, Rob. I really feel like you could be starting to get into footy, but that's a separate topic. I know. There's only a, there's only a, we're only a forward pass away from the stadium. Is Liam that, Hemsworth that, was in town. Is that watching. right? Is that the forward pass? Is that what they do? Okay, yeah. okay. But anyway, if I was one of those, um, it would be like say they knocked my team out of the league yes. forever. Yes. And insulted the earth over it, basically. Yeah. And we're never I mean, they don't really get knocked out, but sure, so you're bottom of the ladder. Yeah. But not even on the ladder anymore. No no potential for being there anymore. Oh, well, the, you're always on the ladder. But, but what you if might you're not? be on the end. You know, what if what if they commit, they're, they're just gone? They've, what, like the team someone is dead? Has, someone has snapped their fingers and the team And the is team gone. doesn't exist. Yeah. I wish that would happen to GWS, but go on. So, of course, as a. A fan of um, of Iron Man mm-hmm. and Captain America. Yes. Now the MCU moves forward. Yeah. And I know I've got them in the comics, and I know I've still got them in the animated series. And yes, so on. sure. I see. I see. Them <sighs> but it's right. There's a certain amount of academic detachment almost. But I am up for <laughs> the, after that long segue. I am up for Black Widow as a movie because oh. I, I love Black Widow. It's about time. What we're getting our second, and she's been in the thing for uh, All the this whole. Time. Thing yeah. the whole bloody time. Yeah, let's see some Black Widow. Didn't even get to be an A force in their initial assembly in Endgame. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, shit, eh? Basically. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. Oh, and speaking of um, Black Widow, uh, the Soska sisters, Jen and Sylvia Soska, who got mm-hmm. banned from Twitter. I, I speak of them in that context of Black Widow because they did a bloody good um, Black Widow mini story arc in the yes. comic books recently they got banned from twitter for um, some visuals from their uh, david cronenberg remake of rabbit oh dear and they just kicked them off temporarily they're back again though. don't even get me started on twitter who twitter will and won't kick off but let's go yeah on. considering considering <laughs> president go down that rabbit considering hole. president biff is on twitter Actually, threatening all sorts of horrible real things, you know. Anyway, get, get a life, guys. Anyway, I'm good, glad to set their back. Uh, now, the Eternals is another movie that's coming out in 2020. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, this is based on Jack Kirby's characters, okay. um, which, in comic book terms, are the equivalent of his new gods from DC. Okay. Uh, I can't quite remember which ones came first, the Eternals or the New Gods. They're all pretty much in the same kind of era when Jack slipped between Marvel and DC. Because he's quite famous for a lot of his DC work, but Mm. he's also got a lot of well-regarded Marvel work as well. So the Eternals are basically... Besides, they mucked up the Inhumans as a television series, wow. except on Agents of Shield, where they're pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> but well, the Eternals are uh, another one of these old, old, ancient races that were created by the Celestials, and mm-hmm. uh, we saw a Celestial um, briefly in Guardians of the Galaxy, uh, and um, the Eternals. Actually, was um, Star Lord's dad a, a Celestial as well, or was he? A, I oh, think that's he was ringing a bell. Yeah, he was a celestial yeah. too. Anyway, but so we saw them more than briefly in the second film. But the, um, the celestials created the race of the Eternals and the Deviants on Earth, uh, and some of the Eternals are identified as um, as ancient gods as well. So they have names like Ajax and yes, Mercari, right. and okay. you know. So a few of those, um, a bit of that uh, god worship stuff yes. comes into that. Yep, yep, yep. So because they're an eternal. It's in, it's in, it's on the packaging, because they're in a long lived race. The Eternals film will cover several different time eras. Cool. So I love you know. a good time era hop. Yeah, but here's some of the cast: Richard Madden's playing Icarus, 
And we also have Salma Hayek oh. playing Ajak. Great. And that might actually be a gender change because I think I can remember Ajak as being a bloke. But um, and Angelina Jolie playing Athena. Athena. I don't see anyone slated yet for, to play Cersei, who's a major character in it, but we'll see. So that's great because I, okay. I, I hope they adopt the whole um, Jack Kirby aesthetic. Aesthetic, yeah. Well, because he's responsible for a lot of the Ragnarok yes. styling. So yeah. if you're not familiar with his work, just think about that kind of – he's got a very bold style. Oh, yes. So that'd be cool. Style. Very cool. Uh, and then there's Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, mm-hmm. um, which is Marvel, one of Marvel's kung fu characters. Uh, this is coming out in 2021. It's going to be directed by Destin Daniel Creton. And it's going to star Simu Liu and Tony Leung. And Legend of the Ten Rings refers to the Mandarin. Oh, interesting. Now, we all know that they featured the Mandarin. The Mandarins, okay, spoiler <laughs> for Iron Man 3. It's been like 15 it's years, like guys. 15, so. yeah, it's been a while. Uh, in Iron Man 3, the Mandarin actually was um, kind of a composite entity run by a terrorist organisation, played by an actor, Ben Kingsley. Yes, hamming it up hamming wonderfully. It up wonderfully. And I would have liked to have seen him continue on playing the Mandarin for real. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, because, I mean, when he was doing it, he did a good job. Yeah, and I actually thought it was a, I thought it was a, one of the, the great reveals in... Um, oh, yeah. Cinema history, actually, what they did for Iron Man 3. And I'd love to see him play it again, but that may not be. That, that is not to be. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and I was really wondering how they were going to bring back the Mandarin in context of any other hero yeah. than Iron Man because he's always been the Iron Man villain. Always. Interesting. So I'll be, I'll be up for I'm that intrigued. one. I'm intrigued. Mm. I think they managed to land this one way better than they did Iron Fist. I mean, not difficult, is it? Not difficult. That's right. In fact, did you know that one of the – I think that one of the Chinese bases in Antarctica is called Kunlun. Ah. Oh, there you yeah. go. <laughs> Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Yes, I did not realise there was an – I was actually chatting about that with a friend when we saw Spider-Man Far From Home. Yep. We're like, oh, is there going to be another one? Like, is he done? What's happening with that? So, mm-hmm. not done. 2021. We get some cool magic zippy stuff. Well – it's going Dark to be times. more of a horror movie, hence that Lovecraftian I'm title. So into that idea. And Scott Derrickson's coming back to direct Benedict Cumberbatch again. Great. And it's going to connect. In fact, the Scarlet Witch is going to be in this movie. I was going to say, we're going to have zippy light stuff everywhere, hand movements galore. And, and w- this plugs into the, the WandaVision yes. television series. Because this, this is like the first half of Marvel Phase 4, as far as I can work out. And it includes integrated television series on the Disney Plus channel. The Loki series, Wanda, Mm. the Hawkeye series, yeah. And another great thing, just an announcement that just blew me away, Thor, Love... Love and Thunder. This is the big ticket announcement because I think Ragnarok was had such a wide appeal. Yeah. People were really picked up that Taika Waititi is back. I think he's the – they've pretty much said he's the reason why Chris Hemsworth will still do another one. Yeah. And maybe the reason why they got back. Well, who walked out on stage with a hammer? Natalie Portman. Yes. Who – from what we can tell, it was very disinterested yeah. in being in the Marvel Universe since her first uh, turn as Jane Foster in... And she was in Thor 1 and 2. Yep. 
and two is admittedly a dud and then has disappeared off the face of the earth except for some old footage that was used in I think we saw Endgame. A, yeah, we saw a backside in Endgame. And, I, and some <laughs> old... Uh, she redid some voice stuff, yeah. but they reused some old footage. But... They've lured her back. And she's actually going to play the goddess of thunder. I mean, this is a thing. Obviously, they've gone, look, Natalie, we'll, we'll up your role. Mm. You can have the hammer. Yeah, you get to be. <laughs> We've got Tyker here, who's like maybe the greatest dude ever. So let's do this. Do you and think that maybe, see, I can see this down the track somewhere that they will do the A-Force movie with, you know, and they could, they, maybe they'll lure Gwyneth Paltrow back to play Rescue. and She won't know if she's in it or she not, will she? She or not, exactly. <laughs> But they've also also um, Tessa Thompson's going to play Queen Valkyrie, Woo-hoo! and she's she's, oh, she's she's Queen of Asgard now, mm-hmm. the Asgardians at least, and she is on the lookout for a queen to sit on the throne next to her. Love it. So she's going to be the first uh, LGBTQA Asgardian character. <laughs> Which I mean was. Implied in the first movie. Oh, it's canon anyway. Yeah, and they've gone more explicit with this in this, which I think is great. Yeah. I actually didn't realise, quick note, Veronica Mars' new season's out now. Yes. Didn't realise Tessa Thompson was actually in the oh, original. Yeah, oh. totally didn't even realise. Anyway. Blade. Oh, yeah. Now, Blade was a... Where are we going to find the time for all this? Well, there's X-Men, right, in the... Um, in the uh, 20th Century Fox yes. movies. And there were quite a few decent X-Men movies in there. And some, there was, yes. At least one, two good Wolverine movies. <laughs> uh, and, and of course, they also have Deadpool as yes. well. So that, that was rolling along quite nicely would, as a pretty good successful superhero franchise. And they were doing their own thing. Like Deadpool was distinctly yeah. doing its own thing. Whatever that is. Exactly. Whatever case. weird messed up <laughs> thing it was, but it worked. But, but before that was Blade. Yeah. Or sort of concurrent, partly, uh, with Wesley Snipes. But so long before, really. Well, I guess it was X-Men Phase 1 time. Yeah. It was all similar, 90s, 2000s. So Blade was was actually quite a successful Marvel hero, but completely divorced from the the rest of the Marvel You wouldn't even know, really, would you? But he's he's, he's famous, isn't he? So they've got uh, Mahashala Ali playing Blade. Woohoo! Cottonmouth. Love him. From um, the Luke Cage series. Yes. Now, I don't actually know if this is a movie or a series. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Um, I mean, what's the difference? It's less and less difference these days, isn't it? Yeah. It could be either. I don't know. Okay. But that's a, that's a good development. Oh, he's amazing. And he was, yeah. Then there was, of course, uh, speaking of Disney Plus for the television, they've got The Falcon and the Winter Soldier coming yeah. out next year in, in um, autumn in the US. Anthony Mackie and Sebastian Stan as The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And Daniel Brühl from Captain America Civil War is reprising his role as Baron Zemo. Interesting. Yeah. I don't think that's his best work. But I do like Daniel Brühl, so maybe he can up his game. We mentioned WandaVision before with Elizabeth Olsen and Paul Bettany. And that's going to be... Um, an interesting one. I think that's set in the past, but it's also somehow starring Tiona Paris, who's going to be playing the adult Monica Rambo, who we saw um, in context of the Captain Marvel movie. Okay. Uh, so there's all these things that, that are happening there. Oh, and speaking of past, you remember when Loki grabs the, uh, the Tesseract? Yes. In Avengers Endgame. <laughs> and goes, oh, I'm free. So we've got this basically uh, Loki roaming through space because that was the space stone. What a great setup! Um, 
He has to be put back there, though, mm. so that the time will, you know. It will slot back into yeah. the, the unless, narrative. Unless this is an alternative one. Oh, let's not even go there. <laughs> Which it could be. So it's basically Loki on the run, and that's coming out in 2021. <laughs> so Tom Hiddleston's come back for that. Now, all of these television shows, or the, the, the main ones, they're like six or eight episodes. Mm-hmm. So they're going to be like little mini I love movies. That. It's I a great that's idea. I think the great length. Of course, there's the What If animated series. Um, with, they've just said that Jeffrey Wright is going to play the voice of one of the Watchers. I love Jeffrey Wright. What's, what's I, I don't you know. You know what? He's done so much stuff, but I really know him. He was in a Basquiat film where he plays Jean-Michel Basquiat opposite Gary Oldman. Okay. Um yeah, and I've just ever since... And he was also in Angels in America. I know him from a lot of old Wait. stuff, but he's actually been in a lot of new genre stuff. Is it the basket film with um, David Bowie in it playing... Yes, playing Warhol. Of course. I've got that at home and I haven't watched it it's yet. It's lovely. It is okay. a wonderful film. But yeah, so he was in Westworld. He was in Casino Royale. He was in Shaft. You'd recognise him. Yeah. So the What If... He was in the Hunger Games. Yes. Yes. The What If series is a... a uh, an alternate sort of universe type thing. The Watcher is the guy who links each of the episodes together. Cool. Says, what if? And the first one is like, what if Agent Peggy Carter got the super soldier serum instead of Cap? Oh, I like oh, that. I like yeah. that. And they've got um, Hayley Atwell coming back to do the voice. Great. And also Dominic Cooper to do Howard Stark. Nice. And, you know, so. Awesome. And in fact, if you look down the list of names mm. of actors who are reprising their roles for that animated series, it's pretty much everybody who they can get. That's awesome. Uh, I suppose it's a bit less of a commitment, but I'm happy they got them. Except well, for the fallen. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Don't dwell. Don't dwell. Okay. <laughs> Hawkeye. Um, Jeremy Renner coming back back to do that in a television series. They're Mm going to introduce Kate Bishop. Yes, as his protege. As the protege, yes. Uh, And they're also um, mentioned... Sequels to Black Panther and Captain Marvel, yes. which we all... And Guardians of the coming. Galaxy. The third is official, official. Yep, with James so, Gunn. Yep. Uh, but they didn't mention it in this particular part of Phase 4. No, they sort of just threw those out as sequels or follow-ons that are happening. Yeah, it can't miss sort of in the second half. Exactly, of so, yeah. yeah. But then he said, I don't have time to talk about X-Men and the Fantastic Four movies. Mm-hmm. So they're actually going to be... That's a thing now. That is now on the table. I'm interested. I'm interested and frightened. Well, Chris Evans is going to play Reed Richards um, <laughs> in the Fantastic Four. David Harbour is going to play Benjamin Grimm. Who do we need for the Invisible Girl for that uh, Invisible Woman? Um, I, I, I don't really... Maybe Jennifer Lawrence. <laughs> I think she's done as well, to be honest. She's done? I think she's done with all that. Okay. Kristen we'll Bell. We'll see. Oh, yeah. Yeah. She can do it. <laughs> Definitely do that it. It only leaves Johnny Storm. So it could be anyone, really. Could be. <laughs> I will give Michael B. Jordan another try. Yeah. He's wonderful. Wow. So, you know. Oof. Yeah, what a, a ride. You know, so as Macbeth said, what, will the line stretch on to the crack of doom? <laughs> Pretty much an apologies yes. to Victor Von Doom. All right. So we will have a track here, which is from the Avengers Endgame glorious soundtrack album. Great film, King of the World. <laughs> Portals, a key moment in Avengers Endgame. Alan Silvestri just composing his heart out. This is Neil Gaiman in the dangerous alphabet zero. G comes last. Z waits alone and it's not for a thing. 
You're listening to Triple R. This is Zero G. Uh, we've just done quite the rundown <laughs> on San Diego Comic-Con news and announcements. Uh, so if you missed that, you can catch that on our podcast or on Radio On Demand on the website. We were going to talk a bit about MIF, the Melbourne International Film Festival, which kicks off at the start of 2nd of August. Yep. And however... <laughs> What I might do is actually just run over the Goldblum Marathon because mm. that falls pretty strictly within our remit on Zero G. And so I thought I'd just give a little bit of outline of what that is. Now, last year they did a Nick Cage Marathon. This year it's Jeff Goldblum. My money's on Keanu Reeves next year, just putting it out there. <laughs> <laughs> Take notes if someone's listening. Um, so obviously Jeff Goldblum, he's been in a lot of stuff that we on Zero G have covered and seen. He generally plays some version of Jeff Goldblum, uh, an eccentric, smart guy. He's had a really prolific career over spanning over 40 years and countless films. Uh, he's sort of achieved this cult status. So as part of the Melbourne International Film Festival, they're doing a Goldblum marathon. Now, it is an all-night movie marathon, so it's not like a pick and choose. It's one of those old, good old-fashioned strap-in, and you'll see seven films. It's going to be at the Asta on Friday the 9th of August. So if you want to get along to that, no excuses, it's Saturday the next day. So you can stay up all night watching Goldblum goodness. It starts from 11.30pm. So that's at the Asta, Friday 9th of August. You can look at the uh, details in the MIF program online or there's hard copies around. Um, I liked this little, it's in the program, there's a little quote from Taika Waititi who we just talked about, uh, a quote about Jeff. He says, Jeff's like a delicate flower. And we, his fans, are the sunlight that keeps him alive. He doesn't go out in the sun. The reason he's so tanned is from all the adoration. (laughs) So I thought that was quite lovely. So the films that they're going to show, so it's Thor Ragnarok, The Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou, The Fly, Earth Girls Are Easy, Independence Day, Vibes, and The Tall Guy. So if you are unfamiliar with some of these, so obviously Thor Ragnarok, it's pretty close to our hearts. Recent role came out in 2017. He's pretty much appearing as himself as the Grandmaster, just, just having a lot of fun with that role. Life Aquatic, it's Wes Anderson film. It's one of his uh, few Wes Anderson collaborations. Uh, he was also in the Grand Budapest Hotel and Isle of Dogs. He plays Alastair Hennessy, like a smooth-talking oceanographer, bit smug, wears all white really well. So that's kind of another quirky entry in his fil- filmography. Then there's a shift to The Fly, which was one of his first big films, 1986, that came out. That's your classic Cronenberg body horror. So he's ended up in an interesting place from where he began with The Fly. So Gina Davis is in that uh, with him as well. I haven't seen it. Have you seen it, Rob? The Fly? Yeah. Yes. Uh, Well, yeah, you're a big lover of body horror. Of course you've seen it. It's like a seminal entry in that kind of genre. So I've only seen the Simpsons version. (laughs) But he he plays a brilliant but eccentric scientist. So you'll... You'll see sort of a theme with some of these roles. So that's kind of a cult one as well. Earth Girls Are Easy. That's a comedy, came out in 1990. It's kind of something fun. He plays an alien hunk who when... (laughs) I'll just read, I'll just quickly read. It says, in this musical comedy, Valerie is dealing with her philandering fiancé when she finds that a trio of aliens have crashed their spaceship into her swimming pool. Once the furry beings are shaved at her girlfriend's salon, the women discover three handsome men underneath. After absorbing the native culture via television, the spacemen are ready to hit the dating scene in 1980s Los Angeles. I mean, come on. What more do you want? (laughs) Well, at the time, not a lot, I remember. (laughs) And Jim Carrey is in that with him as well. Um, Independence Day, 
big alien film, 1996. Pretty iconic role because it was a pretty big blockbuster and came just on the heels of Jurassic Park. Uh, he plays a satellite technician who's crucial in intercepting the alien signal. At the beginning of every science fiction disaster film, there's a whole bunch of people ignoring what Jeff Goldblum says. Exactly, and he whips off his glasses in <laughs> exasperation. So uh, Independence Day is also on the bill. And then after that, there's two films which I think are lesser known. I certainly hadn't heard of them. Vibes from 1988. I think it's black and white. All the stills I saw were in black and white. Cindy Lauper stars in that with him. And they play a couple of psychics. Mm. Hired by Peter Falk. Amazing. Peter Falk is in it. It looks very 80s. So something about a hidden temple, mountain, psychic energy. <laughs> I mean, it's How, a kooky 1988 you, comedy with you, Cindy Lauper. You can't miss. And the last one on the bill is the tall guy from 1989. He plays a comedian. He actually plays an American in England. Uh, the love interest in this is Emma Thompson. Mm. And he plays opposite Rowan Atkinson. There are a couple of comedians. <laughs> Key plot points include allergy injections and him playing a role in The Elephant Man. So I couldn't tell you what to expect, but that'll be the last one is part of the Jeff Goldblum Marathon, which is on Friday the 9th of August as part of the Melbourne International Film Festival. There is actually another of his films showing as part of the program called The Mountain. It's a drama. From what I could tell, he plays a charismatic doctor who approves of lobotomies. So... Well, Chaos ensues, <laughs> no doubt. Or it could be an intense family drama. Um, <laughs> we never know. So that's my little quick rundown on what's up Goldblum-wise for MIF. And I think you're going to do a rundown of MIF... Yes. Zero G picks. Yes, week. Uh, I will actually put the the list of zero G picks for MIF up on our Facebook page, nice. uh, which you can find on Facebook, or you can just go through rrr.org.au and you will find it through there. Cool. So I'll have that up there by the end of the day. Nice. That's um, it. <laughs> yeah. Gosh, that, what a, what an hour. Oof. Uh, thank you for uh, the room of reviewers when we came in and also Joe Brunatic coming up next with Astral Glamour. And my voice is just about to give out. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, so we are going... What's the track we're going out with? The Grand Masters Masters Mix from Thor Ragnarok. So it's actually Jeff Goldblum mixing. In (laughs) celebration of him and everything he has brought to cinema. Thank you, Megan. (laughs) Thank you, Rob. This has been a podcast from 3RRR 102.7 FM in Melbourne. Truly independent community radio. Want to hear more? Check out our website at rrr.org.au.